0: Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Hello, and welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Uncommon Life Project, where I am your host, Philip Ramsey. And I am Brian Dewhurst. And today we are talking to you as just two friends hanging out because it's a duo cast Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. We got a fun one today, and it is just a strategy. We do this from time to time, tips, tricks, and hints for you to live your own uncommon life. And today we are talking about a LERP. <laughs> LERP. Sounds like, Sounds, you like throw up. Sounds like you threw up in your mouth. Uh, it is a LERP. It is a life insurance retirement plan. What in the world is it? Why would you have it? And the ins and outs of it, hopefully this gives you some ideas of Quirky ways that you can live your own uncommon life, or if you have a business already, it could be a fun bolt-on. We're going to try to go to the ins and outs of this. I think yeah. we're really good people to talk through
1: this. So, where
0: do we start? What is a
1: lerp? Lerp. <laughs> we've always wanted a noise maker on the show, and now <laughs> I feel like we get to get to do it. Yeah. Um, if you've if you've been listening to the show, you know that we've cover. We kind of call it uncommon banking, and trying to show people how they can borrow against cash value life insurance to do things. Now, like, you know, buy off their cars or credit cards or invest in a real estate property or start a business and the money still compounds and, you know, focusing kind of on what you can do with life insurance now. This strategy is really the back end to that. We kind of cover it when we meet with people, but uh, the industry calls it a LERP. So we kind of just felt like let's identify with the LERP. And I feel like we're going to see how many times we can say LERP in this show, but uh, let's talk about kind of the back end. This is the benefit of kind of uncommon banking or, you know, loading up a life insurance policy with cash value. This is the back end. This is the take this retirement income. This is the income.
0: income part of it. When he says back end, he means the cash flow side Ooh, of passive income. Yeah, right. Big buzzword. Right. Going around.
1: Yeah. And the taxes behind the takeout of all right.
0: of that. It's cool.
1: Okay. So, yeah, and we've been doing a lot more. We've got a new tool, new software to play with to model retirement income that is kind of blowing my mind, and it really does a great job of of showing what account you should take money out and the sequencing of that. And, um, you know, when you look at all the main ways most people are going to get income in retirement, they're all taxable. And so a LERP is kind of like a Roth IRA from a tax standpoint. Mm with way more advantages in our opinion than potentially a Roth IRA. So we'll kind of dig into that. Right. Because when you're in retirement, I'll tell you one thing that will get you, two
0: things maybe, uh, I would say inflation and then taxes are something too that people are really looking hard at and like wondering, how do we combat this now? Mm-hmm. And even when we're a little bit younger, what can we do as planning now to then combat that in the future? This could be a strategy that people could use. Am I right? For sure. Sure. Okay. So where do we start with this? And, and I definitely want to identify like, who is this for? Is it yeah. just for business owners or is this, you know, we're going to our, our friend Wells Fargo. Is this an employee run thing? Like, tell me, Well, I think
1: that. this is for lots of different people. Um, what is a LERP life insurance retirement plan is, is basically loading up a life insurance contract, cash value life, uh, or, I'm sorry, cash value, you can either do this with a whole life contract, you could do this with a, you know, index universal life contract, you could do this with a variable universal life contract. Um, and so you're loading up a life insurance policy, trying to build the cash value. And then in retirement, you're pulling that cash value out, uh, either via a surrender of cost basis, or via policy loans, and both of those are tax free sources of income. And so one of the real advantages, you know, life insurance gets such a bad rap, right? Just because everybody hates it. I right. wish it wasn't even called life insurance. I know. Like and they misnamed it. They really did,
0: but it's hard not to describe right. it anything else. But the thing that's different than what other people do is uh, normally what people are doing is trying to buy as much death benefit as they humanly possibly can with mm-hmm. the least amount of cash outlay for yeah. their monthly expenses. premium and cash, yeah. Right, and so this is different because they're structured in order to build what? Cash. Cash, and so in order to do that,
1: they actually make the death benefit do what? We want the smallest amount of death benefit for the most amount of premium. Yeah. Um, And so so it's kind of the complete opposite design.
0: Right, and so I think this is where I would maybe challenge the listener to think like, this is maybe a different way to look at life insurance than they've even looked at before. Or if you're a long-time listener, it's a little bit like you said, the uncommon banking strategy. Yeah. So I think that's just something really quick just to, to, to take a quick look at the actual life insurance itself and say we're structuring this way different than normal and we really do want the cash value to grow because of the benefits you just talked about. We want the tax-free, the tax benefits of the cash value.
1: Yeah. Okay. When I look at it too, when you look at, philosophical argument or approach to building wealth you know i think dave ramsey not your uncle came up with one of the best i don't know if he came up with this but he he's a proponent of it is buy term and invest the difference the problem is most people don't invest the difference and so one of our clients that's doing this strategy i would say doing uncommon banking and you know looking at it as a lerp to me this is like the cherry on top of uncommon banking but You could look at it in isolation of just the LERP itself. Yeah. Um, He's like, it really has forced me to put money away I otherwise probably would have spent. Mm. Like, I think when you do buy term and invest the difference, it's hard to be honest with yourself of like, no, I need to save this extra two grand a month, you know, because I'm buying term insurance. It's a very slippery slope to just spend that money, especially right now. It's valid. So it kind of you know, the kind of the way we talk about it with people or, you know, when we when we show this to clients or prospective clients is think about like when you're in your high school gym and you're standing at midcourt and the scoreboard's on the wall, what number would you want to see on that scoreboard, you know, from five years from now, 10 years from now that you could save outside of your retirement plan, outside of your company work plan? You know, and then let's try to go after that number. Even if we come up short, you're going to have more money than you probably would have. Right. And then when you build that into the life insurance, you know, that you're getting a bill for that amount annually, you know, and it you're, you are more inclined to put that money in there. Your, your investment brokerage account or like buy, term, invest, the difference, you don't get a brokerage bill of like, hey, you need to save $20,000 this year. You're probably just going to spend it. So... That to me is one of the biggest advantages of the LERP, is it's going to force you to put money away.
0: So it's for everybody. It's not just for business owners, it's for employees. Okay? And then let's just talk more about I don't like there's a lot of things that we can talk about it. So how do you use and how do you fund it? Like if you're just an employee or versus you're a business owner, it sounds like there're probably two different answers. Yeah.
1: Obviously the more money you make, it's probably more advantageous for you because There's a limit on Roth. So, you know, the more money you make, the more taxes you're going to pay. I'm talking about like W-2 income or 1099 income, self-employment income. The more money you make, the more taxes you're going to pay, which typically lends you to doing, you know, like a traditional 401k or a SEP or a simple where you're getting the tax deduction in the current year because you want to lower your taxable income. Mm -hmm. If you do Roth in that situation, you're paying taxes on the full boat and you know, you're not, most business owners and most high net worth people aren't doing that, Mm -hmm. aren't biting the bullet each year to fund the Roth 401k. Right. So then if you look at, if you make too much, you can't do Roth, or let's say even make a little bit less and you can do Roth, you can only put 6,000 in there if you're under 50. There's just not a a lot of money. So this is really for the people that like, you know, you're making double digit monthly income. Let's say 10, 15 grand or more is hitting your bank account. You know, and you're only spending eight to twelve, and you could save you know two, three, four, five, ten thousand dollars a month uh, after maxing out your retirement accounts, and you need to put that money somewhere. The real two alternatives or three alternatives is a brokerage account. Two is you know paying off debt or buying real estate that produces cash flow. A lot of people don't want to do that because of the work it requires. Right, and then three, a LERP is a really great place for those people to store excess you know, cash that they don't need and a forced savings kind of scenario. All right. Do you get a deduction for starting something like this? You do not. Ah. It is like a Roth IRA. You're paying the tax on the amount. And so this, I'd say, is a lot of, is for the people that are maxing out their retirement plan at work, or you kind of mentioned Wells Fargo. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're sub 50 and you can put 20,500 away, you could still save, you know, you're. this would be a great vehicle for you. So, okay. Yeah.
0: All right. All right. So how do you use a LERP then?
1: The advantage of the LERP is the cash value is essentially liquid to you the whole time. Whereas, you know, obviously a Roth, you can't really touch it meaningfully until you're 59 and a half. I know they have some caveats like your first time home purchase and some of that, but we're kind of talking beyond that stuff. Um, and so, yeah, you can take a policy loan against the cash value of the entire time. Or the beauty of life insurance allows you to essentially dictate when you pull money out, what kind of money are you pulling out? Are you pulling out the growth or are you pulling out your cost basis? And like I said earlier, if you pull out your cost basis or you take a policy loan, that money is non-taxable to you in the current year. So that's really how you use it. You can essentially you know, we can set it up with the insurance company where they're sending you a monthly paycheck, like a personal pension, and you get paid every month in retirement. That's kind of the goal or, you know, you can set it up quarterly or semi-annually whatever, but that's the goal is you're taking a monthly or annual income stream from this policy to facilitate a portion of your retirement income. And that portion, ideally, uh, for most of the time is is tax-free.
0: Right. So let's talk about funding. Do you fund it monthly, annually, quarterly? You can fund it
1: in any of those different ways. Okay. Um, And so, and especially if you use like an indexed universal life policy, you can put it in a lot more flexibly than whole life. And so it kind of just goes towards your risk tolerance of, you know, which policy you want to choose. But uh, I I definitely want to do a show after this too of uh, talking about, you know, like with some accountants about... What does a zero income tax return look like? What what if your tax rate was zero? Where would the money need to come from? And I know one of the answers to that conversation is going to be life insurance. Uh, It's just a very flexible and tax favorable environment for money from a tax perspective. It has to be the sad part.
0: Um, Okay, who needs life insurance retirement plan, which or I would like to call a Lerp. lerp, you knew I was going to say it. Slurpy, Lurp. lerp.
1: Um, I, you know, I think it's advantageous for everybody. I mean, more so, I'd say, executives, business owners are the easy answer. Um, you know, when you look at the millionaire next door, where they, you hear kind of like, you know, they have six to eight streams of income. This could be one of those streams, and so if you have real estate income, if you have social security income, maybe you have a pension income you have 401k income, Uh, you know, you could have income off of a life insurance policy. And so the advantage of that uh, money coming from life insurance is it's more flexible than any of those other sources, because there are no required minimum distributions on life insurance. There is no, uh, you know, like once you turn it on, you have to take it forever, like, uh, you know, income riders or a pension. Uh, social security is largely that way. You only have 12 months to make any adjustment once you file social security. So a lot of those forms of income, and, and mind you, all those I just mentioned are, are 100% taxable to you. So a lot of those forms of income are rigid uh, once you turn them on and, and or the government's requiring you to take them like a required minimum distribution on 401ks or qualified accounts. Uh, and so life insurance doesn't have any of that. You know, you could take out 100 grand one year and take out zero the next. And uh, so it's a great tool to, you know, massage, if you will, your tax return or your cash flow in retirement.
0: Yeah. Anytime we use massage and <laughs> money into a podcast, I feel like we should get like 30 points.
1: I think we should almost like start trying to pick a word before we start the podcast <laughs> yeah. and see if we can incorporate it. it. Okay. So let's go to, I'd love to just talk through because like there's a
0: couple things we're talking about. One a 401k. So what's the difference between a LERP, 401k, and even like an IRA? Some people might. So like doing kind of like going through pros and
1: cons maybe of each. I don't know if you can even do this off the top of your head. This yeah. might be a lot to ask. but I think the big – let's go to the cons of this because obviously we're doing a podcast on it and it sounds like, oh, why wouldn't everybody do this? It sounds yeah. amazing. Yeah. So the, the fees and costs, obviously it's life insurance. So it's going to come with a higher cost than – you know, directly indexing into the stock market or buying individual stocks, it's definitely more expensive than that. Uh, you know, two, the returns can be less than what you would typically get in the stock market because, uh, you know, it's an it's a life insurance product. And so it's not a direct investment vehicle. So the returns or the upside might be capped. Um and so third is just the ongoing cost of carrying the death benefit. You know, I've, I I kind of always use the analogy McDonald's has a cost to build a cheeseburger. Well, a life insurance contract has a cost to carry a death benefit. So all of these things can, can be negative. You could even view, in my opinion, the premium as a negative. You know, you're getting a bill. It's got to get paid. Um, and so some people in the way they're wired with money and their mindset, they would view that as like an expense as opposed to an asset. Mm-hmm. And you know, that would be harder for them mentally to overcome of like, I don't want to keep paying this, you know, what's the right. advantage. And so I think when you look at alert specifically, like you've got to look at the back end cash flow take and the tax favorable and the liquidity and, um, you know, those types of things more specifically as a purpose of putting the money in. Yeah. Okay.
0: So I know a lot of our
1: listeners are
0: going to ask their accountant, tell me about a LERP. And I don't know if they really want to know the answer or they just want to say LERP. <laughs> so what do you think the average accountant or CPA would say when all of our listeners, which there's a lot of them, shout out to all of you, walk up to their CPA and say, tell me about a LERP. What do you know about them?
1: Yeah. I don't honestly know that many accounts would even know what that means. Oh, yeah. Um, huh. two, it's been my experience. I don't want to speak for you, but with all the different accountants we've worked with, with clients, prospective clients, it doesn't seem to me that a lot of accountants and CPAs like cash value life insurance. And again, they're not all created equal, right? To. We don't like most of them either. <laughs> it, it has to be designed very specifically and, you know, as mm-hmm. part of a very you know, cohesive plan. Comprehensive. Yeah. 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 And so I would say it wouldn't be favorable. But then when you flip the conversation of what are the sources where I could get tax-free income in retirement, ah. you know, the answer is very short. That's Roth cool. and life insurance. And I'm sure there's maybe some other quirks out there, uh, you know, municipal, tax-free municipal bonds If interest rates were to go back to a more normal level, uh, treasury bonds, there's multiple answers beyond two. But from an overall structural standpoint, Roth and life insurance are two of the main structures to generate tax-free retirement income.
0: Okay, so you're telling our listeners that they can't use the word LERP (laughs) is what I heard. No, I think that's wise. I love, here's something that I think you did pull out is sometimes I think accountants or CPAs It helps on how you ask the question Mm -hmm. that will help you deduce what the answer is, because there's a lot of preconceived notions about different things. And if you ask it in like, and you address that, they might have a different answer than if you're just, you know, they hear life insurance, like shut it down or whatever. So what are some quirky things I think that they can look at and like, who can get them into something like this? Um, And how do they even go about learning more information about it? Things like that. And, and what are some quirks if they do ask some random advisor, not us, which seems really weird if they're listening to our podcast. But if they are, what are the, some things like pitfalls that they could maybe see out of a proposal, let's right. say?
1: So I think you'd want to be very leery of a proposal that didn't have a significant amount of cash up front. So like if you're it's good. You know, going to put in whatever, 30000 $50,000 a year for 10 years, and let's just, I just like round numbers, so I'm not trying to make the number big, but let's just say you're going to put 50000 in a year premium. If your cash value is not above, I would say 25 to 30 in year one, I would be very hesitant to continue down that path. Mm-hmm. Or um, let's just get a different opinion too. Yeah. Yep. So, you, you definitely want some significant upfront cash value to
0: this. Because if you remember, we are structuring these for a high cash. cash value so it can grow quickly.
1: And if something goes wrong with the plan and you need access to that money, you don't want that to be a goose egg for the first five years. Amen to that. So that would be kind of uh, one thing to look for. Two, I think in terms of like, who is this for? or Why would you use this? Maybe take a step backwards, but... You know, you can't really meaningfully touch your 401k money before you're 59 and a half, even Roth IRA money. If you really want to retire sub 59 and a half or have time freedom, maybe you're still doing stuff and generating income, but you want more time freedom. You know, this is an asset class that you can tap for income and and liquidity prior to 59 and a half without penalty. And so it's a very flexible asset when it lo- when you look at the stages and phases of life and and you know uh, putting a together of, a plan
0: when there's a lot of cash value in it right
1: yeah so I'm I kind of forgot your other point mm, oh there, but okay so
0: who can get something like this for them
1: Is yeah I think any licensed life insurance agent would can be, be able to help them. In, in and theory. I think
0: another thing that I would say is a pitfall is having an increasing death benefit. That seems like your death benefit should always be a little higher than your cash value would ever be. Something to watch out for. Like if your cash value ends up being the death benefit and it's like pretty early on in the contract, now later down the road when you turn into be like eighty, they yeah. might be the similar. But even early on, you probably want to make sure that that, that death benefit is increasing, mm-hmm. not staying the same. That's some other pitfall that I think I've seen yeah. in the past. Yep. Okay. I'm
1: trying to think what else. I think we covered it.
0: Okay. So anybody can get up to it. So this is where I think it's interesting. It's the life insurance retirement plans. And the retirement plans makes me think of employ like a business owner or somebody that has access to something for a retirement plan. Cause that's normally who I guess applies retirement plans the most. Right. Mm-hmm. But this isn't really what that is. You don't have to have a business structure. Yeah. It's for you, anybody. It's for a anybody. liquid
1: savings account. You can access it month one. You could access it 30 years from now. It's, it's just like a forced savings account. And then like I said earlier, you know, you can do it with Whole Life. You can do it with index Universal Life. There's different vehicles of life insurance that you can do based on your risk tolerance. And, um, you know, that I think is maybe a separate show. But, right. yeah. So let's do last thing. And we've kind of danced around it, but just patient type or
0: or a person that this is ideal for. And I think it's interesting to know that, you know, it could work for somebody, you know, not this. But in an ideal world, I think you've already painted it. But I think let's just reintroduce that kind of like oh this is me
1: yeah maybe i should it. definitely job. entrepreneurs business owners um i think especially too if you have young like a younger family like dual income you know you're like 25 to 35 like really young and maybe you don't want to max out your 401k yet because you know you're maybe trying to upgrade the house that you're in or you've got private school for your kids and so you have more like after-tax expenses and so you're trying to you know, still build the lifestyle you want. You're not in a place to to overfund. I think that's interesting. Or you are maxing out your retirement plan. You still have excess cash flow to save and you want it to be tax protected because if you're you're making that kind of money, you don't want to make after-tax, you know, income off of, uh, you know, dividends and that type of stuff or capital gains exposure where you're buying and selling stocks. It's just going to amplify your tax problem. This is a way to shelter you from that but still get... Upside exposure to the stock market uh, without triggering excess taxes. And so um, you know, and then you know, people that want multiple uses on their money. You know, I would say people that want to do, we have a lot of people that use this in concert with buying single family homes, duplexes, rental properties. Um, it's a great place to get down payments for multiple properties. Uh, you know, because you're forced to sit on excess amounts of cash if you own real estate, and this is maybe a better long-term storage vehicle than just leaving it in the bank.
0: Yeah, I also think like somebody who's have great cash flow. So yeah. let's start there. So, uh, ten to fifteen thousand dollars to twenty five thousand dollars to forty thousand dollars a month that's yeah. coming in, and they've already maxed out their four hundred one k this is something that seems like it could be a really good fit for those people. Totally. Because ideally you just want cash flow that you want to try to do something with, uh, and then we want to put it into some environment that will grow tax-free, but we don't want the burden of the Roth, and you can do a Roth conversion. Yeah. Here say that we you can totally do that, but at some point you need access to be putting away money for retirement, but yeah. also, I love it, that you have access to it before retirement if something were to happen or you have an amazing opportunity, you can pull that cash flow
1: or cash value out. Um, I just want to compare it to the Roth really quick because I think this is super important in a Roth. Let's say best case you can contribute to a Roth in a 401k. If you're under 50, the only the amount you can put in max is $20,500 a year. If you're over 50, it's like 26,500 or something like that. Maybe it's just, no, it's 27,000. I think for 2022. So that's a big number for people, but there's a lot of people making way more than that. Yes, and, a lot and, of people. And if you don't if you're not over the income requirement to do Roth, you and you're doing Roth outside of your retirement plan, it's only six thousand. And if you're over fifty, it's only seven thousand. Mm-hmm. Well, if you have an extra fifty to a hundred thousand a year in cash flow, you it's so tiny it doesn't even move the needle. And so we can structure these premiums on life insurance and, and again structuring them with a pretty high cash value up front. Where your premiums could be fifty to a hundred thousand, but again, that's showing up in cash value, so it's not gone from your economic engine. And so right. we can put that money away. So it's like the question is if you could put fifty to a hundred thousand dollars a year into a Roth, would you do it? Would you do it? Right. And I think there's a lot of people out there that would. They just have never been shown this. And then if you put that money into a brokerage account, are you gonna truly save as much as you probably could? I don't know. And then B, let's say you are and you want to buy and sell stocks or you're doing any type of moving inside that portfolio, you're probably going to trigger capital gains, which is going to move the needle on your tax liability. So this gives you the upside potentially to the stock market, depending on the vehicle that you use of insurance and shelters that money from tax. I do think, though, it's probably not for everybody, right? Like, this is definitely not for for everybody. So if you hear, like, oh, it's for me, and, you know, maybe. You you have to understand it, and you have to appreciate it, and I think it has to, like, you always do a great job of saying, like, it's all, everything's about risk tolerance. Yeah. And if this fits your risk tolerance and you understand it, uh, it can be a great vehicle. If you don't understand it or you don't like it, it's going to be, there's going to be friction there, and you should probably just not do it. Right. We we heard a guy today. Actually, he said, <laughs> "You know, if you're thinking about if a decision is murky, that means no. Like, yeah, if, if there's a if there's a spectrum of the decision is like yes, maybe, and no. Maybe and no go together.
0: <laughs> yeah, I love that. <laughs> so, anyways, okay. Well, I think that at least gives you a little bit of exposure to a lerp. Yeah, um, life insurance, retirement plan. Thanks for your time. Thanks for listening. Thank you. You've been listening to Uncommon Life Project. I've been your host, Philip Ramsey. And I'm Brian Dewhurst. Till next time,
1: have a great day. And go be uncommon. Bye. That's all for this
0: episode of the Uncommon Life Project, brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.